This is Conversations About Foster Care. In this first season, join our conversation about transitions, removal, and coping with change, trauma, and grief. The system is made up of all of us, so let's talk about how we can do better by our kids. Hi guys, Marika here, just letting you know that there are a couple of explicit words in this episode, so if you've got little ears around, maybe listen to this one later when you're on your own. Thanks. Hello. Hi guys. Uh, Today we're going to be talking about what to pack for a transition. Um, We're recording today in a place where we've got pretty creaky chairs and a snoring dog. Can you hear him? Oh, I, I heard him. So we maybe, can. Maybe I don't can. know if they can. Um, so we're talking today about like practical stuff, really, about what you can pack and what you can do during a transition if you are in the midst of it and wondering where to even begin, particularly if you've had a kid for a really long time. It can actually be quite um, overwhelming and confronting to think about what's going to stay and what's going to go and, and what will be helpful for the new family, be it that they are re- reunifying or moving to a family member or going to an adoptive family. Now, of course... You know, in our experience, we only had uh, one child who was with us for that uh, period of time, but she was still pre-verbal when she left. So a lot of the issues we're dealing with in this conversation, um, you know, may be different from if you, for instance, had a kid that was you were able to have a conversation with, um, you know, and, and ask, you know, do you want to take that bunny or that toy, whatever it is, um, with you? We had to make all those decisions without being able to converse with our kiddo about the decisions. Um, which, you know, does make it harder and perhaps is different from your experience. Yeah, and we definitely did try to... These are some of the things we did to try and make it clearer for her. I think with an older kid, being able to have those conversations is surely a huge part of what would make a transition smooth and easy and loving and easy to understand, I guess. Um, So... Just quickly before we talk about some more practical stuff, as foster parents, you know, we have this kind of crazy thing we're expected to do where, as we all know, we love these kids with everything inside of us and then we have to process the grief of letting them go. And one of the things that was really tricky in the initial days of packing up um, for us was that you you sort of get into this, and I'm going to use the expression because I I, I said to Kurt before we started, I... Well, is there a less offensive way to say this? And he's like, eh, just say it. But the mindfuck of making decisions in this chaos. For example, you know, we we knew that if a kid couldn't return to her extended family that we would absolutely, you know, put our hands up to adopt her if that's what happened with her case. And so we had decisions even in that initial couple of days to make about even though we didn't want to have those conversations about whether we would, you know, take in more foster kids or do this again or, you know, and the reason you have to have those conversations is because you're looking at a tricycle that's kind of broken and, you know, might have been given as a hand-me-down, as a hand-me-down, as a hand-me-down, and you're thinking, well, is this this is really not good enough to send to the, the new family and, and she's not really using it. It was kind of for six months' time, so do we do we keep that in case we have another a placement that is an older age or do we send that with her? And so I personally found that constantly assessing of um, stuff in relation to our future possibilities really hard when I was just trying to process the fact that we had to say goodbye. Yeah. And, I mean, even even little things like, you know, what if we get judged because we send that tricycle that yeah. is a bit trashy and, and the, the, the new adoptive parents or the, the external family member in our case 
um, you know, things, oh, you know, she's got crappy, you know, broken. Like, Yeah, I thought that about everything. Like we had some, you know, onesies and stuff that they, they were really useful and, and helpful, but they strings. had a couple of vomit yeah. strings or whatever and you think, well, I can't really send this. And so there was a lot of like um, just overthinking, I guess, and <laughs> this is why we're making this. That's our dog. Remember, He's shaking. Should have taken your we should have off. taken his lead off. So that's part of the reason we're making this podcast so you too can uh, muddle through these decisions and feel uh, not alone in that. Yeah. Um, another thing we had was, you know, again, you know, the mindfuck. I hope you don't mind us keeping using that term, but the mindfuck of, you know, a lot of our family, um, our own family, sent us, and they're from Australia, so... Um, they sent over gifts and creations and things that they even sent us before we had our place, our first placement. So as we were becoming foster parents, they, you know, our mothers were like, you know, making quilts and, and making dresses and things for a fictional kid yeah. that they sent over. And uh, and we had originally said that we were open to taking an older child up to about six or eight years old. So. Um, for instance, my mother had made this beautiful dress that was kind of sized for like a five-year-old, six-year-old. Mm. So we had that in the in the closet. And then when our first placement came in, kid, we'll call her, uh, when kid came to us, she was obviously much, much younger. And um, and then you go, well, well, what was the intention from my mother to have made that dress? She made it for kid, but do we pack that to give to her knowing that the extended family member will treat it with that reverence of, oh, this was created by a very special person who toiled for hours to do it. (laughs) Um, Does that go with kid to the new home or do we, as I say, keep that as a, you know, mum made this for our kid that maybe we will yeah it's a a mindfuck (laughs) it is it really is and so this is how we kind of um made those decisions um we decided that anything that she had really used and engaged in um certainly went with her anything that was bought for her once she was in our home you know that had her name on it or was very specifically for her obviously went with her and then we just had to make um some quick kind of yucky decisions about the other stuff you know like the quilt we kept because the quilt is something that is for our family to gather under at Christmas time and um and it was really hard to know that it wasn't going to go with her but at the same time we will now cuddle under that quilt without her this Christmas and and think of her and you know there's no right or wrong with this stuff but it's it's a tricky thing and and you know we're about to get into this but I want to say that the first and best thing that I hope you would have in a transition is some sort of contact with the new family, whether it's um, whether they're returning to parent, whether they're going to move to an extended family member or whether they're moving to an adoptive family. Hopefully you've got some relationship. Um, we were not actively encouraged and um, it was something I really craved to have with the extended family member that was taking kid. Um, and in the end, I just reached out directly at the end of a visit and said, hey, can we swap numbers? And I wish I'd done it sooner, really. Yeah, that's a really tricky part of our particular case in that I wish in hindsight and and hopefully, you know, even at the time, I just wish the agency had gotten us connected and in a positive light because I feel like after everything that's gone down, the agency and the system essentially held us at arm's length from each other. And I know the system is trying to do that to maintain a professionalism or a, a privacy you know, things get legal and, and confused and, you know, all jumbled up. But 
what it's meant for us is that it's kept us apart from that extended family member. So the relationship has been difficult to build or maintain over a period of time. And I just wish that had been handled by the system better. So we were feeling like we were part of the same team looking after the kids' best needs and not opposing forces kind of fighting for the for the child. It may take us a long time to get back to, or we may never get back to a place where we are in a comfortable relationship with kiddo's extended family member. And that hurts. Well, yeah. We've got a friend and she recently transitioned her foster daughter and she has a great relationship with um, the extended family who've taken the little girl and she was able to say, hey, I've got the spare car seat. You know, could you use that? And, you know, the family, they didn't need it, but they've got a couple of cars and it saves them having to put the car seat from one to the other. So they were really grateful for it. And, you know, the foster, former foster mother is going to be helping them out with some swimming lessons. and But, you know, again, just as an act of like, this is a way I can support you guys in this new version of family. And they're all getting on super well and making it about the kiddo. And um, so if you've got that option and you can talk to the new family, definitely, definitely, definitely always have that conversation with them and, and get into that stuff with them. Well, you know, one thing we need to also weigh up in these decisions about what to pack, what not to pack you know, it's just that balance of going, do we give them basically everything? Because, you know, we certainly had a a lovely time, you know, shopping for kid and and finding beautiful things that she would love. So you also kind of wonder, well, are we giving too much? Is it is it something is that... Is it going to be offensive? You know, understanding that a new family will be really excited to maybe go out and buy clothes and that if uh, a kid turns up with six suitcases, they might feel a little bit overwhelmed by that. So it's another good reason to chat to them because too many things might not be appropriate and yet obviously the familiar is important as well. We also wrote a short message to the extended family member just to ask her what she might need or what she might want from us and she basically replied anything you've got is great and uh, it turns out you know we've seen in photos since that kiddo has been wearing those outfits and so it seems like the extended family member is at least appreciative of the things we gave her and continues to use them. And then we were also, because our kiddo was a toddler when she left, so she was obviously growing at her uh, very quickly. And there was the thing, we had clothes because we didn't know what age child we'd be receiving into our home. We had clothes from a baby right through to, you know, an elementary school child. Um, So we were quite conflicted again about how much into the future do we send. And in the end, we just made the kind of pragmatic decision to send her with all the clothes that fit plus the next six months, you know, up to the next age bracket where you'd then get into buying the next kind of age clothes simply so that the new family member would have certainly enough for her now. And over the next few months as they're adjusting, they would have stuff um, in in her closet. One, there's a big thing in foster care, if you've read about it, where... Uh, kids shouldn't be transitioned or move around between homes uh, with their stuff in trash bags. It's quite a, a unfortunately common thing that you hear about or see where obviously that's an easy thing to do is whack stuff in trash bags. But um, certainly for the older kids, not so much for pre-verbal, but for the older kids, it's, it's a very important thing of going, what are you telling a kid by putting all their stuff in a trash bag and having them transition a home um, to have them see that all their stuff is essentially trash? Um, there's some um, some great companies that we we've just um, we know of, which is um, Comfort Cases. Uh, Google that online, or um, together or also we rise. Together is an we rise. That, but just yeah, reinforce. You, you know, it's it's play, uh, 
organisations that are now facilitating the ability to sponsor a suitcase for a foster youth so that they are not transitioning with a trash bag. Mm-hmm. Um, if your kiddo is a little kiddo, even if they're a big kiddo really, um, make sure they have their lovies and their sleeping, things that they're in the crib or their bed. That's super, super important. And if you're doing sleepovers and stuff through the transition, make sure that those things go between the two homes. Um, We didn't send a huge amount when Kiddo started doing sleepovers at her extended family member's place, but we did make sure she had her sleep lovies, um, pyjamas. Even though we knew there'd be pyjamas at the new house, we felt like just making sure things transitioned between the two venues so everything was familiar um, hopefully helped her to feel safe in her new space. And then I um, got myself some little note cards. Um, This is the nerd in me and wrote out just little messages for the extended family member that hopefully, you know, hopefully um, helped her to, to just know what things were. For example, you know, this is the stuffed animal she likes here or these bath toys uh, uh, she likes to play this game in the bath or this book is her favourite book at bedtime. Um, I wrote lots of little notes or this, there was a dress we did send that um, uh, Kurt's mother made and we did say this was made for her and, um, you know, just so that, you know, the extended family member has the backstory um, going forward and knows how to use those items to the best of ability in terms of making kiddo feel um, safe. A lot, of, a lot of the books had um, inscriptions in them from people that obviously the extended family member and certainly kiddo in time won't remember, you know, so-and-so from a name, you yeah. know, in, in, from family in Australia that sent books. Um, and there were even some, you know, there was one book I remember that I loved as a kid that I read to kiddo a lot um, and she did love it and she, she there was a few points in the book where she'd point and, and say an, uh, a name of an animal or whatever it was. Um, and that I found really special. So I, you know, we wrote little notes like mm. that. This was a really special one that, you know, that kiddo loved. She likes pointing out the blah, yeah. blah and just letting letting the new grown-up know that so that they can do that if they want or so that they know when particularly a pre-verbal toddler is pointing at the thing and wanting that recognised and not understanding why potentially this new grown-up isn't recognising what they're talking about or what they're communicating and we hope that helped. Uh, we sat up one night and um, really went through uh, and notated all the little um, the things, everything we could think about mm. uh, with with kiddo's routine, uh, her food, um, sleep patterns, what she likes to do, where she's at. You know, like, and that was yeah. a took a little bit of time, but it was a really hopefully something that was quite thorough and really explained all the things that that. You know, we tried to impart this is what her life is like and this is what she's doing on a daily basis in detail. I also asked um, the person she was transitioning to to tell me a little bit about what her routine was going to be and asked her if I, if she wanted me to adjust kiddo's bedtime or something so that, um, you know, if she was going to get up early, for example, for a new school in the new home, um, that I could help maybe with that incrementally with getting her down a bit earlier or vice versa. So that's another thing to consider if you're transitioning a little person and they're going to go into a really different routine. Uh, what are some of the ways you can start to emulate their body clock uh, into the new routine? If that makes sense. Um, we also found this really cool book Um you can just find it on Amazon, I think, if you put in voice recorded book. But it's a storybook that has um, the ability for you to record voices 
reading it. Your own voice. Your yeah. own voice, yeah. And we just thought, again, considering our kiddo was that bit littler and reading for us in our house was a really big, big part of our our lives, um, we thought it might be nice in those first few weeks for her to have a story where she could hear our voices. So that was a really, we thought, loving, easy way to uh, send something along that she could, and she could press a button and hear our voices reading this story. I think you, I think as the pages turn, like with the, with the birthday card you get with the voice, yeah. as the pages turn, it, it, it just starts talking, you know, of our voices saying the lines of the book. Yeah. It was cute. And it was just a cute bedtime book and, um, you know, another way we could just give her comfort or familiarity going through this transition. Um, we also, because I, I sing a lot and um, there was a particular book we had that we had kind of created a melody. Anyway, this particular melody, isn't, it's not a song, we just made it up as we started reading this book over the course of the 14 months we had her. So I made a quick little video of me reading the book and singing the song the way that she was used to because I just thought that might be, um, it was like her favourite book in the whole world and I didn't want her to pick it up and take it to her new grown-up and then kind of be like, hey, you're not, (laughs) don't you know this is how we sing it? Um, And again, I think it's a really lovely tool to have as a kid goes into something new familiar. There's a lot of new rules in a new home. You're asking them to go into an environment with new smells, new foods, new um, fabrics, new grown-ups, new guidelines. Maybe they cleaned their teeth at a certain point in the day in one house and they do it at a different point in another. Or maybe um, sitting up on the kitchen bench helping a grown-up cook in one household is completely permissible, but in the next household that person doesn't want them in the kitchen at all and no one knows and you can't get down to the minutiae of these experiences. But anything that you can do, I think, to just... Um, make sure a kid has enough to hold on to will mean that all of that new that they're soaking up is balanced a little bit by some some familiar. Mm-hmm. There was also a photo we sent um, of us all together with Maverick the dog mm-hmm. um, and we hoped that that would, um, you know, because uh, Kido did look, we had photos of her and our family and all sorts of people up around our home and she did look and point to them and, and we were very aware that she was very much forming a sense of of who people are and that's me in a photo and things like that. So we sent with her uh, a small photo of us all together um, and then as we were leading up to the transition as well, we had a photo of the extended family member and kiddo and myself and us together and um, we had that at our home and we would constantly or more increasingly refer to it um, by name and say, you know, look, look, kiddo, there's that name. <laughs> um, but um, And every time we were going, you know, to take her for a visit with that person, we would make sure we re- referenced the photo and said, today we're going to have a visit with blah, blah. Um, we also made sure that kid... Even though she was little, we, we helped involve her with packing for any visit. So what shall we take on the visit today? What would you, Which book would you like to take? And um, she was able to pack a couple of things and see the bag being packed and know that that bag was going with her. I think the older the kid, the, the better that experience can be for them in terms of explaining it, letting them choose their pyjamas, letting them choose the lovey they want to take, um, always explaining different things that are happening and making it clearer for them. One of her first words was backpack. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> well, it wasn't her first word, but, but she pulled that, pulled that over a double syllable kind of word <laughs> one day. Just started going backpack. <laughs> I was I was talking aloud to her and said, you know, let's get your backpack and and, and whatever. And she just looked at me and went backpack. <laughs> <laughs> it was 
was a funny, funny one. But, you know, a couple of weeks away from physical transition, we realised that she'd been babysat by other friends of ours and, and looked after and, and had was never had a problem with other people. We had been in their homes, they had been in our home. She was very aware of the fact that you know, these people are part of our family. We would, um, when we saw them, we'd give them a hug and a kiss. Yeah. Um, and we weren't noticing that when she would go for visits, there was a period where she was having some troubles transitioning for visits over to her extended family member. And we realised pretty quickly that was just because, you know, the visit, the visits thing in foster care is really hard for everyone. Like there's, you're almost always in a, a weird room at an agency. Nothing's familiar for the kid. Nothing's familiar for any of the grown-ups. And when you see each other, obviously you don't hug and, you know, hopefully you're cordial, but um, the lack of intimacy means that for any kid, even they a baby, pick they pick up on that. And um, we noticed pretty quickly that those transitions of custody in visits were becoming a little bit tricky for her and we you know Kurt beautifully identified that well she doesn't have a problem going to a sitter because the sitter will be our friend or someone that she hangs out with and that we hang out with we break bread with those people we spend holidays with those people we um they're in our home we're in their home so kids know that then they're safe grown-ups so we just felt like as we were coming up to that period like let's reach out and this was a little bit you know, tense because of that trying to hold you at arm's length a bit with the the um, extended family member. But we wanted to reach out and say, look, we think it's important, again, for the kid's sake, and we come back to that again about if we're not thinking about the the kid, we're all just concerned with our own feelings and we should yeah. all put them aside for a minute and go, this kid needs to see us all sit together, have a meal, uh, hug each other, um, you know, know that we're all family. And again, because she's pre-verbal, that's all the more important. So we uh, invited the extended family member to our home. That was a bit difficult to, to facilitate, but uh, but then we did manage to just meet before some of the longer visits. There were some overnights and weekend visits we had leading up to transition that we said, well, let's at least meet before and have a breakfast together to have a bit of time rather than I just rock up and hand her over and see you later, which was causing her some distress for a little while. And that worked really well, I think, particularly for that age group toddler. It gave her, you know, half an hour to acclimate to, oh, okay, I'm going to go on this visit, no worries. And it certainly meant that we were able to get to know her um, new grown-up a bit more and um, we think it did really help kiddo to process yeah, and certainly that thing of when you go to an agency and hand over a kid, you kind of you know make polite chit chat. But when you sit down and have a meal with someone, you can, you know, just be a bit more familiar and you know how's your day going and yeah. you know um, make jokes about oh you know this is what kiddo did this week or yeah um, that was really nice to be able to to have that time. We did that a couple of times, literally just prior. Yeah, and to, she never got upset once we did yeah. those. But when we had the, that time together before a visit, she seemed a lot happier and calmer about going on the visit. Mm-hmm. We don't have a lot of contact with kiddo, but we have gotten word um, from the agency that all the stuff that we sent is in her room. It's up on the shelves and it's decorating and she's engaging with those things. You know, so I, I hope that the things that we did helped a little bit to make that all smooth and comfortable for her. And I hope it helped her family to you know, also facilitate a smooth transition for her because there's such value and familiarity for kids and for building that for them. Um, And just as a final follow-up, we're not going to talk about life books too much and I know that there are a lot of work, but we did put together a life book for kiddo, um, particularly because the period of time she was in our home, it was also the time she took her first steps and said her first word and hit all her 
predominant baby toddler milestones. So we wanted to make sure there was some record of that for her, particularly when she's a grown up herself and wants to maybe know a bit about where she was for that very important time in her life. I'm in a, a lot of different forums with former foster youth and foster parents and uh, people who've come through the system in various different ways. I'm always very curious to hear of um, people's experiences through the system and for better or for worse, because we can all learn from having these conversations. But there was one particular strand in a forum where a foster mother, I believe, was asking about giving a child a life book. She'd only had the child for a few weeks, but she'd picked up the child from hospital directly. So she was the only one who had like a photo of her on her first day of life and at a week and at a month and things like that and she said is it silly to send that along and the strand and the comments uh, went for a long time and I read every single comment and there were only two types of comment and one was from people that had come through the system and gotten a life book and all of them said it was one of their most cherished possessions and that they, they loved that they had it they were happy that it formed part of their life story and they were so grateful that they had those memories and those photos And the other comments were from people who didn't have a life book and they were all universally... um, Pissed off. Yeah, really upset about that. One person said, I was in the foster system for several months as a baby and it's just like that period of my life never happened. I don't have any photos from that. I don't know what I... And that person had gone on to have their own kids and didn't have a baby photo to put up against her own child, things like that. So um, we did put together a life book and, and I think, I don't know but I can only imagine it's very potentially uncomfortable for the next family, no matter what, you know, whether they're a birth family. I know that freight, that um, label is a tricky one, but, you know, just to identify and delineate the differences, whether it's a birth family or a new adoptive family or extended family or whoever the child is moving to, I think it is potentially uncomfortable for them to see, perhaps in the book, a period of time that they missed or that they're not in. And I, I think that must be truly tricky and hard to process. But again, it's about the kids. And I think it's it's really important that a kid knows where they came from and what their life story is and what's happened um, to them. There can never be too much love. There can never be too much love. So thanks for listening, guys. That's our episode for today. Please give us a five-star review or say something nice about us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. The more comments and five-star ratings we get, the more iTunes wants to share that podcast around in the popularity of uh, the internet. So that'd be a big help. And if you don't have a positive uh, message for us, we'd still like to hear from you. We've called it Conversations About Foster Care because we are truly wanting to have a conversation about all this stuff, even if it's challenging or hard to hear. You can email us at conversationsaboutfostercare at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. We encourage you to make an inquiry about becoming a foster parent. Because every kid deserves to be loved unconditionally, even when their future is uncertain. We're the grown-ups. We can do that. And every kid is worth it. Thank you.